Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Welcome back, everybody, to the Birdies and Bourbon Show. Uh, Beth, before we get started, is it too early to ask you out on the show, or do we need to save that until we've had a drink or two? You know, oh, God, the joys, the joys of uh, being live. Like like I said, when uh, there's no gotcha moments, I figure we'll go ahead and open up with one. That way we can get them out of the way. So, uh, hey, all, all jokes all jokes aside, uh, it is uh, it, it, it's a pleasure to have Beth Burrows, American Whiskey Ambassador for Beam Suntory, on with us. Uh, as you can see, I may get into a couple of bottles, and uh, we may get uh, we may get get Beth's expertise on uh, what she thinks about the Jim Beam single barrel and the Knob Creek. I. I'm going to be finishing uh, while Beth uh, kind of tells us who she is and her story. I'm going to be fi- uh, finished this Manhattan. Uh, I used the uh, bonded old granddad for this one. So eh, well, give, it, give it a try. Solid cocktail whiskey. Uh, not, I mean, it's not, solid whiskey in itself, but in the cocktail, very nice. A- absolutely. So, uh, so to who is Beth Burroughs? Tell us, uh, give us, the, uh, <laughs> give us a story. The rundown. Well, you know, should we do this like a therapy session where I just like start laying it all on the table or no? Um, so hey, I'll, I'll be taking, I'll be taking notes. <laughs> Perfect. So my name is Beth Burrows. I'm the American whiskey ambassador for beam Suntory. I'm coming to you from the lovely state of Kentucky. I'm actually in Louisville right now. Um, contrary to what it may look like behind me. Uh, this is just a much cooler backdrop than where uh, I'm sitting currently. So, um, but really, you know, American whiskey ambassador means that I travel and spread the good word. A lot of my travel over the last two years has been virtually traveling to people, which in all honesty has been great. I've been able to connect with a lot more people than I typically would have had my schedule been its normal schedule and my travel spaces been to where I normally go to. Um, but yeah, I, I get to do that through events, through education, through, you know, talking to our, our trade folks. So everybody in the industry, our bartenders and the folks who are really leading the charge in our bars and restaurants, as well as wonderful consumers who love to pick up our, our products and, and sip at their leisure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Dan and I, uh, we have not, I think we've increased our intake of alcohol over COVID, Dan, at, at least our tolerance is up. I don't um, know if we've increased our, our, our I'm rich in my goals. <laughs> You're not alone. The, the <laughs> consumption rate for folks has uh, definitely gone up over the last two years. And it's, it's been interesting to see people kind of go on their whiskey journeys, whether that be to expand their palates, go into new uncharted territories for them on that journey or delving into cocktails. A lot of folks have, have become, you know, people who make cocktails at home, which is always super exciting for me because I, I do love my cocktails. Mm-hmm. Well, a perfect segue. It's almost like you're a professional <laughs> at this, Beth. Um, I think, <laughs> did, did you get, where, where'd you get your start at? I mean, what led you into, so I don't know if you caught my question or not. Sorry about that. Um, so, so yeah, so, so we, you know, we, you were mentioning cocktails and, and you love your cocktails. And uh, I think uh, you've won a few championships and some things along the way. But so if you want to kind of dovetail that into, you know, what led you down the path to become a brand ambassador for Beam Suntory? For sure. So if you want to take it all the way back, uh, my mom and stepdad ran a bar and restaurant in Western New York as I was growing up. So at about seven ish years old, I was a pro at bussing tables and sorting recycling. Um, and when I say sorting recycling, that means beer bottles and those beer bottles went back to the distributors. Cause in New York, that was something that we did. So, uh, 
that was kind of where I got my start in, in the industry, like understanding how people, you know, join together and consume and, you know, enjoy that time together and, you know, started embarrassing my parents by correcting people when they would say that's a rolling rock on television. I was like, that's really a Heineken, um, you know, so <laughs> impressive, annoying, you know, one way or the other, but, um, that was really, you know, my, my first step into it was my parents owning that, that bar and restaurant. And then from there, when I got my first job, I was a hostess at a restaurant in uh, my local town. And it just, no matter where I went in life, I went to school for sports administration, um, you know, and, and with, thought I was going to go down a different path, but it always came back to the industry. So um, more seriously, I, I was at a sling and ring for a while, which is, you know, the bars where folks want their drinks and they want them fast. Uh, and I did that probably from around 2008 or so to about 2013. And in 2013, I um, took a position at down one bourbon bar when they were opening their doors. And that was here in Louisville. So um, I, I started out as a server. I wanted to get back in the industry. I had kind of veered off. I, I got out of the industry for a moment and tried business liability insurance. No offense to anybody in business liability insurance. Not for me. Um, definitely not for me. So, so you're, so you're I mean, saying you're not that sleazy is what you're saying. I don't, I don't know if I can it's say It's not that. even a sleazy thing. No, like I was like reading policies to make sure that there were no gaps. And uh, it was really interesting because it was like business insurance. So you're dealing with like kidnapping and ransom for people who travel overseas. Sure. So it was interesting enough, but just definitely not where I wanted to be. And so, um, this bar was opening up. I knew some of the folks who were kind of getting it in the works and basically said, you know, can I come back in? I just need, I just need that kind of interaction again. Um, and so I started as a server in 2013 and quickly got back behind the bar, uh, which is where, you know, my love lies definitely is in crafting cocktails and just learning as much as I possibly could. And, and honestly at in 2013, right. As the bourbon boom was really taking off, I had the opportunity with this this restaurant and bar that I was in to meet with master distillers and go to these amazing distilleries and ask the questions I wanted to ask and really just geek out. Um, they used to make fun of me because I always had a binder no matter where I went. Like I had a, like a binder and a folder and I was taking notes constantly. And uh, But really, you know, getting back behind the bar and, and learning about all these brands and really just kind of immersing myself into the experience. Like you talked about cocktail competitions. Um, I, I used to really like lighting stuff on fire in like a legal way, not an arson way. Uh, and so I would do, you know, cocktail competitions where I would just kind of push the envelope of what people felt was a bourbon cocktail, whether that be taking the classics and twisting them into something new, different, fun, or, you know, just coming up with off the wall things and, um, eventually made my way through the ranks and, by 2015, I was the general manager. Um, so I was just kind of doing what I could to, to bring a new light to what I felt bourbon culture could be, especially on Whiskey Row in you know, really the heart of Kentucky and, and what we could do there. And from there, um, it was a lot of luck and, and a lot of right timing. I had the opportunity, the, the woman who was in my position before me kind of came to me and said, look, I'm leaving, I'm going to California. I'm taking a new position. All I can tell you is that the position is going to be open. I think you would be great, but you've got to go for it. Like it, it's all in your hands. And so, um, about, let's see, I think it was three months and five interviews later, I got the position of American whiskey ambassador. And that was five and a half years ago. So mm. I've been to being for five and a half years and just rolling through the punches. Nice. Now, that's fun. You say luck. I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer in, uh, I, I do believe in luck, but I also believe you have to create your own luck. 
or, or, at least, or, or at least put yourself in the position, right? So, so the luck can happen. So you, you've, I mean, there's, I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm taking my therapist notes over here. There's so many things. We're not going to have enough time to get into everything, but I, I want to take a step back if you don't mind. And yep. so, you know, I mean, you, you know, kind of what you've laid out, right. I mean, you were kind of doing, not that you're not doing hard work now, don't take it that way, but you know, working in the restaurant behind the bar, right. It, it's, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's a different lifestyle probably than where you're at now and what you've been doing for the past five years. Uh, so for folks that are listening, right. And, and I think there, we probably come across, uh, people have probably found a new passion for, for the spirits, be it a cocktail mm -hmm. or, or neat, what have you. And a lot of folks probably, like, Ooh, Hey, and, and again, this, this whole zoom, uh, uh, environment that we're living in has given people access, right? So it's, Hey, I don't yeah. have to go to a place where Beth is, that's going to be live. And I can't get there because it's across the country or I don't have time. They've got access now to be able to view these things. And, and with a lot of brand ambassadors, it's, you know, people are like, well, hell, I want to do that. That's exactly what I want to do, right? Really what I want to do is I want to drink. I want to drink and have a good time. Not to say that you're not doing that, but you're doing it <laughs> responsibly in a way where right. there, you know, there, there's an ROI for you, right? And what you're getting out of it. But what's what's the steps? If, if Dan is like, you know what? Screw this golf stuff. I'm going to be a, a, a brand ambassador for a spirit company. What, what's, what would you offer to someone in? How do I get there? Networking is probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, if you're looking at how to get into the industry, you got to know what's happening in the industry. And you do that through meeting up with folks and realms of amazing podcasts to talking to the people at the distilleries when you're there. Uh, obviously in the proper context, don't just like go knock on a master distiller's office door. But like if you just go to the events, go to, you know, join bourbon societies or at least look into them and see if anything fits you and suits you. Um, now we have a lot of virtual societies, which is a super awesome opportunity for people who maybe can't make those meetings, but we did switch to a pretty virtual world. And I don't think that's going away. Mm -hmm. I think it was a really great way for people to reach out and like you said, touch spaces that they wouldn't normally be able to get to, whether it be because of location and proximity or, you know, their timing and work hours or whatever, they can catch it on the flip side and still gain the information and still have that experience without having to physically be there in that moment in time and space. So if you're you know, thinking about trying to, to get from where you are now into a brand ambassador position, I would say, you know, really just, just meeting people, um, learning as much as you possibly can, whether you want to get certifications is, is up to you. You know, certifications are always great because that knowledge is, is super helpful, but you can also learn all of those things on your own. If you're a studious person and, and have the wherewithal to, to go through the process of doing it, but understanding the history uh if you're talking american whiskey specifically just because that's the the world i live in but any spirits learning the the history of spirits in our country and other countries how you know we got to where we are today what those trends have been i mean most people honestly as a hobby have their their ear to the ground on what's happened i mean people follow the ttb websites you know i sometimes have people reach out to me before i've seen anything hit you know, in the real world, because they're following a TTV website and they're like, what is this label? What's happening? What's going on? Right. So continuing to do things like that. But again, forging those relationships was super helpful. I mean, for me, my letters of recommendation were huge. Um, I think that was a huge part in people giving me the, not like a stake, but basically, you know, saying I was worthy of uh, being in the space that I was trying to take sure. up. And so, you know, just, but that came from 
hosting bourbon dinners and things again, being lucky enough to have the, uh, the space to do those things. So having the ability to be at a bourbon bar and say, Hey, you know, it was not just a, a bourbon bar and restaurant. I had a delicatessen and an ice cream shop as well. So like at one point in time, I wanted to revamp the ice cream shop and decided I have this company that's local. Um, it was a husband and wife duo that did nitrogen ice cream, like frozen ice cream. So I was able to use actual alcohol in that ice cream and have bourbon infused ice cream that I created with master distillers because it was a fun thing that I wanted to do. And I had the space and capacity and relationship with these folks to do it. So it was just little things like that. Um, continuously going into those worlds and just asking people to do something fun and different and, you know, following through this key point, right. Following through on what you say you want to do and what you're going to do. Obviously things change the capacity of what you have might be in flux, but you know, if you say you're going to show up somewhere, show up somewhere, um, you know, make sure that you're there and engaged. Uh, you know, I go to a lot of things where people are like, I'm so excited and I want to learn all these things. And then they just sit in the back and talk. Um, so they're not really, you know, excited and engaged. They're, they're literally just, you know, there to drink the whiskey and you know what? That's totally fine. That's super cool. I'm happy that you're there. I'm excited that you're excited about the whiskey. I'm excited that you're excited about the people that are around you. Um, but you know, being engaged in those moments that makes you a memorable face showing up in those spaces makes you a memorable face. And so having that just kind of rapport and relationship with the, with the folks in the industry is probably the best and most key way to do it. And I'm sorry, that was like the longest answer to your question ever, but no, it's fine. And Cal, I want to do want you to let you know, I have not given up on my green jacket destination yet. Oh, oh really? Oh, yeah. So golf still could be, yeah. uh, could be in your future. I got a green jacket. You can buy not that, not that kind of green jacket. Though. However, I do, I do need one of these denim Jim bean jackets. I'd love to rock that on the show. What do you oh, think? Right, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Love that. Well, you'll have to come down. The distillery is going to be opening up soon. We'll have all sorts of new merch for you to, awesome. to come and buy. Awesome. So, so that that's where I'm kind of heading. You are a professional, aren't you? So that's, that's where I'm kind of <laughs> going. Is what what does it? And uh, you know, I, I made some notes. Want to talk about what you're doing on? Uh, is it the porch sessions? So we'll get there in a second. I may have mis, yeah. mis, mis, mislabeled that, but uh, you'll correct yeah. me. I'm sure. Uh, so what does the uh, what what does the whiskey world um, look like for someone like yourself? And then for consumers or fans that want to get out and start to enjoy some things. I mean, what's what's that look like today? We, we, we can envision what it's looked like over the past, what, 18, 19 months, give or take. Right. Uh, wh where are we at? What's going forward as far as, you know, these lives events? How do I engage with Beth Burroughs and, and get educated and, uh, you know, in these gregarious drinking functions that allow us to mingle and, and enjoy the beverage of choice? So for me, I mean, obviously we're, we're in the, the OND time, if you will, of the year. And so things are not necessarily going to be ramping up. They'll ramp up next year. But for me, I mean, um, I will be in New York City next week to do a Friendsgiving event with the folks up there. I will be in Iowa later that week to do the whiskey fest out there. Um, I'll be in Virginia in December to do some, some cool omakase events with Legion, which is a really fun thing, um, to work with, with bartenders and people about what their actual tastes and likes are in, in crafting cocktails specifically and catering to what they enjoy, um, in true omakase style, which is, uh, something we could talk about later if, if you're interested in how the Japanese culture is kind of playing into what we do. Um, but you know, for, for what I have in store, there's just a lot of, um, 
you just there's touch points at the end of the year doing some stuff locally here with our our industry folks um so being able to to say thank you to them for staying with and keeping up and and really spending all of their time and energy to not only keep their heads above water as an establishment and as a person but also to be there for folks so that there was a semblance of normalcy right like getting back into bars and restaurants gives us a a sense of feeling like the world is kind of coming back to a place that we recognize where we maybe haven't recognized the world that we've lived in for the last 18 or so months. And so, um, that's really what my agenda is for the rest of the year are just those, those nice touch points. I don't know if I'm on anything else as far as like virtual space, you mentioned the Sunday port sessions. Um, usually you can catch me on the the last Sunday of every month for my Sunday port sessions over on Instagram at the blend us, um, which is uh, an offshoot of something that we do at beam Centauri. So the blend is really a space for people in the industry or people who want to be a part of the industry to learn more about literally anything that you might possibly want to know about. I mean, it's pushing the envelope of how we talk about hospitality and um, I've, I've been very, very lucky to be a part of that and allow for my Sunday port sessions to be a part of that. But we wrap for the year. Our last one was um, in October on the last Sunday of October. Uh, they do live on Instagram live at the blend us. Um, and it was with speed rack. So the two women who founded speed rack, which I don't know if you're familiar with that cocktail competition or not, but, um, two absolutely amazing women in the industry who decided that they wanted to do a, a complete female bartending competition 10 years ago. And so it's all about speed. It's all about accuracy and it's all about catering to the judges and how they like classic cocktails to fit their palate. And it's all of those things rolled into one. It is strictly, uh, you know, a women's competition. They started in the United States. Now they are in multiple countries hosting these multiple times a year with a one finale and like crowning one winner of each country each time. Um, but really, you know, getting the opportunity to sit down with them and some of the other folks that I've had the opportunity to sit down with, um, these Sunday port sessions started way back in, in 2020 when, uh, I think I started in April when we thought it was just going to be a nice six weeks of COVID. And I was like, you know, people can't come to the distillery. Let's find a way to bring it to them. Um, which was just me sitting on the porch and, and really just shooting the shit with my friends uh, in the industry and asking them questions about, you know, how they felt, how they were dealing, what we were doing now to kind of pivot and change and what their life has been like. So um, six weeks turned into 26 sessions. So I, uh, I told them at the beginning, I was like, I'll just come on every Sunday. And then didn't realize that that would mean every Sunday for the rest of 2020. Lucky enough to do it. Happy to be at the distillery. It was kind of weird and eerie at first to be at the distillery kind of by myself. Um, but then it became like a, almost like a little haven, right? I mean, it's always a haven for me, but just to be there by myself and kick my shoes off and walk through the bluegrass barefoot, which is something I really enjoy doing with a whiskey in my hand. Um, you know, and, and that was something that I did at the distillery. And then again, we moved over to the blend this year and did it only once a month so that I could have a weekend or two to, to chill out or, you know, do what I needed to do. But yeah, so that's, that's really yeah what I've been doing. Yeah, I've, I've caught several and, uh, you know, I like the format just to, to your point, just kind of shoot, Hey, let's just sit down and have a drink and shoot the shit and talk about, uh, whatever the topic, whatever the flavor of the day is or the month yeah. or the, or, or the guest. And, 
Yeah, but to your point, right? I mean, what you thought you were getting into was, you know, it was going to be short term. And it's kind of <laughs> like the, a good thing that you said yes, because I think it turned out, uh, you know, in a very positive uh, viewer friendly format, just like saying no to uh, maybe asking you out on a date live is uh, probably also <laughs> the right, also the right thing to do. Right. So, uh, so okay. So uh, speed rack, did I get that right? Like, like speed, speed rack. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. Um, uh, so female bartending competition, uh, yep. is that one that you have participated in and won before? So no, I actually never did speed rack as a, a bartender. Um, I wasn't fully aware of what it was until I started kind of moving into the management space. And so, you know, not really, not really for what I was doing at the time. Also, you know, I love crafting and, and creating things for people. I don't know how fast I would be. I feel like I put too much pressure on myself. Now I can rock a speed. Well, don't worry. Like I like being in a well, but, um, just that, that whole process. I enjoy being a sponsor slash spectator of, of what they do. And then also, I mean, another big piece of speed rack and why it's called speed rack is because they raise money for breast cancer research. And so they have raised an enormous amount of money and I don't want to misquote because I don't want to undersell or, you know, overcommit to exactly what it is, but they, they have raised so, so, so much money for breast cancer research and they have been such a, a staple as an organization who has been there for the longevity of bartenders and for folks who, you know, are unfortunately afflicted with breast cancer. So, um, you know, they're doing great charity work. They're doing great work for bringing women to the forefront. I mean, it started because they didn't see so many people like them in the forefront. There were a lot of women doing work, but they were doing it in the kitchen and sure. prep and all of these spaces where they maybe weren't that front facing 20, you know, mid, 2010 bartender with the suspenders and the very specific look, right? Um, we're, we're change, it's a changing landscape now. You know, 10 years ago, it was a bit different, but um, it all started because they just wanted to see that talent on the forefront. And one of the cool things is the guys still have a part in this. They go to, and they are barbacks and they work very hard nice. to make sure that these women on stage have everything that they need, that everything is set up, that they're turning, you know, in between. Cause it's, again, it's a speed competition. And so, these women will get on stage. It's a head to head competition all the way to the end. There's usually three judges and each judge picks a cocktail, a classic cocktail. I believe there's, there's over a hundred cocktails that they have to have as a Rolodex in their mind. Wow. Um, you know, in each one of the different spirit categories and they'll say, you know, I want a Sazerac. I like it to be a little bit less on, you know, the, the absinthe or you know, whatever it might be that they, they have as a preference. And then as fast as they can, as accurate as they can, as you know, clean as they possibly can make it. And all of that goes into effect in the final score. So I don't want to steer us down a wrong road because you, you are the brand ambassador uh, okay. for Beam, Beam Centauri. Uh, but I, I really want to keep talking about this cocktail stuff. Cool. I'm here for uh, that. Perfect. Okay. So, so, uh, let's talk about, uh, competitions that you've been in. This mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, you brag if you want, Dan does it all the time. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> but what's, uh, so maybe if you want to throw a couple of competitions out that you participated in, uh, maybe you did really well, maybe you didn't do so good. And what were the cocktails that you picked? or that you made and then what was the, eh, that'll be good. Yeah. Give, give us one that you were, did really well in, uh, and one that eh, didn't go quite the way you thought it, you thought it was going to go. And what were the cocktails? Okay. 
part. Okay. So, um, my first cocktail that got me into really the brand ambassador side of things, because before I took this position and before I took any managerial positions, I did work as an angels envy whiskey guardian for, I want to say it was like three months. Uh, it was a really short period before I ended up getting moved into management. And when I got moved there, I had to really kind of quit everything else that I was doing because everything, you know, all of my focus needed to be on, on the new position and making sure that I can do the best job there. So, um, but that came off of winning a cocktail competition around Derby time. Um, and it was a cocktail that actually got written about quite a bit. Cause we ended up bringing it into down one. Um, it was a Derby cocktail. It had to be Derby inspired. It had to be with angels envy. Um, it, it was a, uh, it was a labor of love. I, I spent a lot of time just like trying to dissect. It was like, what does Derby mean? Right. What do I think about when I think about Derby? And so the cocktail itself came from angels envy. Um, there was muddled blackberries uh, and a raspberry simple syrup with sage that I had created. Um, it was like, if we want to go all the way into it, inspired by like my grandmother yes. and the spring and all of that stuff. So like um, when my grandmother was alive, she had raspberry and blackberry bushes behind her house. And so a big part of my springtime in my life was going out there and just picking bushels upon bushels of those berries. And so it just, it seemed to fit, it fit really well with the angels envy profile of the cocktail. Um, like I said, I like setting some on fire. So I wanted it to be a smoked cocktail to help bring a little bit more, um, one, just a, a different dimension to the cocktail, but two, kind of a little bit more oomph because we were dealing with sweeter things. I mean, the blackberries are a little more bitter, but the raspberry and sage is a little bit sweet. Um, and then the, the whiskey itself, of course, is a little sweet. So, did all of that and then uh was trying to figure out how else i could tie it like how else do i want to tie it so um we used a bourbon barrel stave as what we smoked on with some bourbon barrel chips but i also <laughs> random connections that you make in the bar um happened to be sitting there talking to my boss and he was like just break it down all the way he was like what do you think about when you think about Churchill Downs and the Derby, whatever? And I said, Hey, is for horses. Cause my mother used to say that to me all the time when I'd be like, Hey, Hey, and she'd be like, Hey, it's for horses. And then she would be like, calm down for a second sure, and then bring it back in. And so it was kind of like an inside joke. Um, and I said, wouldn't it be amazing if I could just get some hay <laughs> and there happened to be a regular gentleman at the bar that I didn't know what he did. We just, you know, would have our conversations. And he said, I deliver hay to Churchill Downs on a weekly basis. Oh um, wow. He was like, if you would like me to bring you some hay that's bound for Churchill Downs, I am more than happy to drop off some. And so the next, like, I think it was like two or three days later, this gentleman shows up with a literal garbage bag of hay that was headed to Churchill Downs. Wow. <laughs> and so I, uh, I would light the chips on fire. I would get that smoke going and then I would suffocate the smoke with hay inside of the glass. Um, and so it was served with a smoking glass with hay inside of it, upside down, smoking on the bourbon barrel stave. And then on the other side of the bourbon barrel stave was a like small carafe. So think like a, a one and a half glass of wine carafe yep. um, with the actual cocktail in it and a circular cube, ice cube on top. And so when people would get it, it was a whole presentation at the table. So they would flip the glass up and all the hay would fall out and stay in like a little bundle. And then it would smoke out and then they would topple the ice in and then pour the cocktail on top. So it was like an immersive experience for people. Um, and that was really my first like cocktail competition win. And then, like I said, it became the cocktail that everyone hated me for at the oh, yeah, bar because, because, because they now had they got to gotta make it. it. 
And they're gonna make it. I, I'm thinking, yes, please. Take two, uh, I'll, two. Ta- I'll, 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 I'll take one. But Dan, get us two. Get us get two. Us two. <laughs> it's not like fajita factor, right? When I was walking through and people are like, what is that? I need that in my life. Um, but it got written about, you know, there, there's plenty of things. Like if you search my name on, on the interwebs, uh, there's two Beth Burrows. I, I fight for the number one spot on Google with um, a very prolific singer in England. Um, who probably deserves a lot more, you know, those Google searches than I do, but whatever. Hey, 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 don't, find it sell out. Your, don't sell yourself <laughs> short. Don't sell but yourself short. It's on there. You can see like kind of what that cocktail looks like and, and how it, it's, uh, you know, evolved or whatever. Um, but that was just really my first step into cocktail competitions and something that, that kind of put me on the map locally. I was never really outside of the local market when it came to cocktail competitions. I wasn't doing anything um, on a massive like national scale. That wasn't really a big thing. I mean, there were a couple competitions, but I would talk myself out of them. You know, I, I well, felt like on, I needed but, to have. But, but I mean, you clearly you didn't need to. Clearly you played <laughs> the cards the right way. I talked to the right people. I got around the right people, I think, um, and did, did some of the right things in the right places. So, uh, again, luck. You make your own luck. You put yourself in the right spaces, but, you know, luck definitely has a, a hand in it. Um, as far as bad cocktail competitions, um, there was one in Lexington. It was a, a bourbon event in Lexington, and I can't re- Bourbon Social, maybe? Trying to remember. Um, went to the competition had made this special like kimchi accoutrement to a Knob Creek rye cocktail. Um, and, and this is, this was my first year and it. The second year I came back and redeemed myself, but this is my first year. Um, my kimchi spilled in my bag right before the competition. So not only did it smell absolutely well, awful. Well, well, kimchi smells, I, by the way, I love, I love a good <laughs> Korean barbecue. I love kimchi, but there is a certain odor that just, that, that, that just exudes from kimchi. It's predominant. It takes over everything. <laughs> It does. And I, it was a small amount, but it like, it added another dimension to this cocktail. It was, it was a pretty great cocktail. I don't remember the complete ingredient. I remember it was Knob Creek Rye. I remember the kimchi just because it was like <laughs> a situation. Uh, you know, there was a citrus component to it, but because that had happened, um, they switched glassware at the very last minute. I mean, this was an amazing experience. Like I had just gotten to sit with Jim Meehan and he had talked us through like, and if you don't know who Jim Meehan is, he was a, a big part of PDT in New York city. He has written multitudes of books. He is one of like the creme de la creme when it comes to modern cocktails specifically. Um, but even, you know, the cocktail realm as a whole. And so like, I just sat through this amazing thing with him and, and all this, and then everything just went completely downhill for this cocktail competition. The glassware got changed. My ice didn't fit in the glassware. There's an amazing picture of me just like standing there like, what the hell? Like I'm on stage just like, this is not, so you just have to laugh through it. Right. So that was a a non ideal competition that we did uh, in front of some people that I wish I could have impressed. Uh, But like I said, I came back the next year uh, with a different Knob Creek rye cocktail that is still one of my favorite cocktails to this day. And I won that one. So redemption. Well, do tell, I mean, if it's still one of your favorites, (laughs) I mean, we got to know what it is. So it's a, it's a take on Boulevardier. So your base is going to be Knob Creek rye. Um, I then steep my sweet vermouth. I, I prefer Dolan Rouge in this specific cocktail. So I steep the Dolan Rouge with red pepper flakes. And I'm talking like maybe eight nice. to 12 minutes, depending on how much you put in it. So I would dump all of the, the Dolan into like a, just a quart container. I would cover the top of that quart container with some loose red pepper flakes. 
And then I would just taste it about every three to four minutes and see when I had that proper amount of spice. Cause I wanted it to be a little bit of a bite, but obviously not an overwhelming amount. Then you have to strain out all of the red pepper flakes because it just continues to infuse if it's in there. So you strain all of that out, you know, put it back in the bottle, make sure that you put something on it. So you know that it is a different type of vermouth and you don't surprise yourself for a different cocktail. Um, and then side note, always keep your vermouth in the fridge. If it's not in the fridge, stop what you're doing right now. Put that vermouth in the fridge. Um, if it hasn't been in the fridge for a minute, just go ahead and throw it away and start a new bottle. Mm. Um, so you've got your Knob Creek rye, you've got your uh, red pepper Steve Dolan, um, and then I had my Campari, right? So that was what I crafted the cocktail with, another smoked glass. So just utilizing some barrel wood to smoke that glass. Uh, I use a coupe glass because you want it to be up, right? Um, it's a it's an up cocktail, so I like to use my coupe glass. Just kind of smoke that coupe glass up and then flip it over. If you want to add some sort of like chill factor to it. You can always chill your coupe glass ahead of time. Um, I think that that's always great for having a cocktail, um, in an up situation just so that it stays chilled for, for a while, but it's a stirred cocktail. I would just pour it into that, that smoked and chilled glass. And, and that's the guy you just, uh, finish it off with a, a citrus peel. So I used lemon. So just a nice little twist. So, so Dan, uh, mark the time. This is where you're going to yell at me after the show. Oh boy. Uh, so, uh, and, and I'm going to move away. You, you brought it up, Beth. So like, I okay. totally, totally your fault. Um, most things are it's fine. <laughs> I know where we're going. I feel like, hold on, hold on. I'm going to pour a glass for this. Cause I feel like it's Ooh. a necessity Ooh, at this what, point. Yeah. What, so I, what are you having? Ooh. I went Baker single barrel. I only have this much left in here. Okay. So uh, I felt like I needed to finish it. I felt right. that that was an appropriate time. Oh, wait, hold on. That was a good one. Ready, set. Ooh, there it is. is oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, we, got that, <laughs> we got that twice, by the way. Just so you know, we got it twice. We got a double take. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I'm sipping on this single barrel Jim Beam. And I don't know why I never really thought about Jim Beam. This is not what we're talking about, by the way. This is another tangent that Dan's going to yell at me about. I don't know why I never considered or thought about until recently, past couple of years, I never thought about Jim Beam single barrels. And and I don't know if I, I, so you correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, when I see things that are happening at Beam, Mm -hmm. I don't really see a lot of forward uh, a, a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of attention tied to the beam single barrel. I, I mean, is that, is that a false statement? It's a fair assessment. No, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. It exists. It's just yeah. not necessarily a focus in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, the, there's, uh, I've got plenty of beam product on the shelf, but I, you know, I picked up a, and it's a single barrel, right? So it, it's single as Mickey says, one in barrel. every 500 bar- uh, barrels. Yeah, yeah, single single barrel roulette. So you never know what you're going to get. But I haven't had a bad one yet, and and I'm like, man, that's I don't know why I've been missing out on these things. I, I mean, it's, I've short sighted myself. Uh, hold on, all right. So I'm backing up. I'm off on a tangent. I'm going back to where I was going, to, which, which is which is another tangent. Mm-hmm. So you brought up Campari, and and it's we're going to yeah. get back to bourbon in a second. Uh, so a huge, you know. Negroni and and then any play on a Negroni, just absolutely love it. Can't get enough of those. And okay. you know, the Campari itself, fantastic. So for the first time a couple of weeks ago, I had a chance to taste side by side a current Campari release, and I think it was a late seventies Campari release. Okay. And. I'm like, I don't know. Is there a difference? I mean, you know, I'm messaging uh, Matt Hrannick all the time. Like, Hey man, is there really a difference? Cause he's showing them off and I wasn't with him when I tasted it, but I, I did taste it. And I'm like, Holy shit. 
there's there's a difference. So have yeah. you have you had you're in the in you know probably the answer is yes, but have you had a chance to taste some vintage Campari? Can, and and maybe a side by side with current release and are is the dusty thing is it real or is it a myth so i haven't had campari specifically i i like to go back and taste dusties it's usually in the whiskey category more so than any aperitifs um or digestives or you know anything in that that space sure. um not that i wouldn't it's just never necessarily i guess presented itself as something that that i had the opportunity to do um when it comes to the dusties though Probably like there's a good chance that it's different because production is different now, right? What grains are different now, not necessarily that Campari, you know, I, I speak from a whiskey basis, right? I, so when I, I think about dusties, yeah, I'm thinking about our grains are different. We are harvesting them differently. We're, you know, mass producing them in a way that we weren't mass producing them then. Um, and then it's the process as a whole is different. So over time, things are just going to change. It's just, uh, something that comes with, as we ramp up, as people drink more, as you know, the world changes, we get different, uh, equipment to, to craft these things. And, and so, yeah, there, there is probably a difference. Um, that being said, whether you like one better than the other is, is totally up to you and your taste. Um, I think Campari is a polarizing thing anyway. There's a lot of people that don't necessarily like the bitter, uh, of anything, um, it's, it's even bitters taste. in general, yeah. it is, it, and I mean, I always joke, I mean, I've, I've been a bartender for a very long time. So my palate is, <laughs> is bitter. A lot of the time, like I, I move away from sweet. I, I don't typically drink a lot of heavily sweet things with the exception of maybe like a whiskey sour. That's a little too sweet every now and again, cause it feels nice. Um, or a margarita that might be a little too sweet because I mean, weakness, huge weakness. If I have a frozen margarita opportunity, I'm taking it. Wait a minute. Um, wait a minute. You heard it here. <laughs> Beth Bowers. Uh, how do you take your margarita Beth? It, I mean, I love my rocks. Don't get me wrong. A nice El Tesoro margarita on the rocks is, is a way to go. But if it's there, if it's a frozen margarita, I am not above a frozen margarita and I will be very happy and ecstatic drinking it. So uh, salt or sugar on the rim. I usually go with neither because I drink it out of a straw. Ooh, God, we are getting all, I say when I said no <laughs> curveballs, I was just kidding. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, you can always go with your salt or sugar rim, but I don't, there's, there's something about, I guess, I know the glassware is clean, but I can't get over the mental hump of like other people putting their mouth on a glass. Um, so yeah, straws, I, I do carry straws with me, um, so that I'm trying not to kill the environment. Hey, uh, Beth Burrows, it was nice talking with you. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. You know what I mean? You gotta like, I don't like metal straws. I don't like, you know what I mean? And a lot of people are still, we have to have plastic straws, especially in this post COVID world. Yeah. It was just it, out of necessity. We couldn't with cocktails to go, not allow people to have those types of things. And you're buying it in bulk and in the way that we had to do it anyway. Um, you know, there's been a huge backlash against plastic, everything, uh, over the last little bit as there should be, um, because we need to make sure that it's a more sustainable world that we leave. But, um, Responsibly. things like use them responsibly. Yes. Um, finding things like agave straws, um, and other forms of straws have been really, really cool. And just kind of experimenting and going through them. There's some that I like more than others. I am not a fan of paper straws. They just, they die too quickly in a cocktail. I, I don't even, don't even get it near me. It, I mean, it's like, it <laughs> deteriorates as soon as it goes in the liquid, it's done. And yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah that, that not just, a fan. 
that doesn't work for me. Uh, so I, I, there's so many things going through my mind <laughs> I, I, and so many questions. We, if this goes, if this ends well, let me put it like that. Uh, we definitely have to do a round two of this because uh, we, we, we can't keep you all night. You're not going to stay with us all night, but so as a bartender for a while, uh, okay. Well, uh, Dan, you better warn her. You better warn her, Dan. Dan. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm back to the bartender question. I know I'm like, we should be exploiting the, you know, the American whiskey ambassador, but I I'm so, but just with your, with your experience and where you are. And, and again, I'm sure you've met people that, Hey, I've never tasted before. And, uh, Oh, let me tell you everything I know about, you know, whatever whiskey we're going to talk about. Right. But as a bartender, and and I, I'm guilty of this. So this is a sincere question coming from a patron that's coming to okay. a bar. Maybe it's the first time I'm there. Maybe I'm there somewhat regularly. Maybe I'm there every day. I don't know. But I come in and I'm like, Beth, hey, or we don't know each other. We just met. Hey, <laughs> Beth, I'm Cal. Okay, great. Uh, you've got all this whiskey on the bar. You've got, you know, you, you've got, uh, these agave spirit, you've got everything lined up and it's like, okay, I'm feeling like a cocktail. And I look through your menu that you've worked so hard to curate and you've got your list of, I don't know, eight to 12 cocktails, seven to 10 cocktails that, and it's seasonal. And where you, you know, I'm, I'm making, you're making the syrups, you're, you're, everything's fresh, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, farm to glass, everything is fresh. And I'm like, yeah, but Beth, like, I, so here's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like I want to go, uh, I'm feeling like I want a bourbon. I want something that's higher proof. that's going to hold up something. Uh, I don't need anything with too many ingredients. Uh, but, I, but I like, um, maybe I like, I like caramel notes. I like, uh, uh, kind of nuttiness in something. Uh, I like some vanilla. I like a little chocolate in the background. If I'm giving you some details and kind of what I like, am I the customer that you're like, oh shit, it's this guy or are you, Dan, do you, you want oh, to answer for um, <laughs> You're that customer for me, Cal. Uh, no, Every but show. But, no, but it's, <laughs> hey, well, it's good to see you all that. Uh, no, no. But, but, I, but it's like, and I'm looking through the list, right? And I'm looking through the menu. And if I'm reading the menu and I'm going like, holy shit. And, and a lot of cocktails that are on menus, right? I mean, you think back. I mean, there, there's, there's some staples. And everything is kind of ba- built off of a staple cocktail. And, and it's like, yeah, those all sound good to me, but there's probably something inside Beth's head that like, well, I can't put that on the menu because it's not going to be for everybody, but I would love to make it for somebody and anybody that would like to go down this road or anybody that's talking about, Oh yeah, no, this t- it's got a licorice taste to me. I, I'm not going to drink that. Whereas I, it, I'm like, eh, it's got a licorice. It wasn't really what I'm going for, but I'm going to drink it anyway. So it, what's, what's that? interaction with the customer that's coming in and saying, Hey, I want to experiment. Will you, the bartender experiment for me? Okay. So first part of that question was, are you an annoying guest? No, that's, that's not an annoying request, especially if you're walking into a cocktail bar and you want to have that experience. Now, that being said, if it is two people deep and you decide to walk up to the bar and be that guy, that's a situation, right? Like that's (laughs) it. 
I don't know where Dan's at. I don't know where Dan's at on the screen, but that's Dan. I'm like, Dan, there's nobody here. We got here at 4.30. Happy hour hasn't even started. We're the only two people besides that one couple in the back that's, I don't know, they're creepy. Nobody else. The bartender's at, you know, they're, they're doing some prep work and they got plenty of time and they got time to experiment. Yeah, and I mean, it, there's no harm in saying, Hey, you know, I saw these cocktails on the menu. They all look really great, but I was kind of looking for something a little bit more specific to my palate right now. Mm -hmm. Do you have the capacity to like, kind of maybe take a, take a moment to walk through this with me? Like there's no harm in asking the bartender. I mean, bartenders are people, y'all like it, you know, they, they can tell you what they have the capacity to do. And a lot of times if you ask that question, a lot of people are going to be a bit more accommodating to what it is that you're trying to do besides, you know, just coming up and kind of just throwing something on someone. Um, so, you know, just proper etiquette of being a human, uh, definitely helps when you walk up to a bar, but, um, that that's not an annoying request. A lot of bartenders are excited to show off new things, right? Like sometimes they might say, Hey, I've got a competition coming up. This is the cocktail that I plan on doing. Would you mind if I made it for you, you know, and, and see what your take is on it or, you know, walking through that path. But when you're asking those type of questions or you're giving me those type of notes, you know, you can always go to the classics. When you're saying notes of chocolate, you can always do a Manhattan with say chocolate bitters and maybe something else, you know, down that route. Mm. Um, a, a sweet vermouth that maybe has a little bit more herbaceousness to it. Right. If you're looking for something, you know, in that realm or, um, you know, old fashioned variations are always great for somebody who's looking for a spirit forward cocktail. Um, especially if you're using a higher proof, if you understand the amount of simple that should go into something and, you know, utilizing different simples, there's a difference between Dem and, and regular, you know, simple syrup. There's, of course, you can do like a honey simple, you can do a brown sugar simple. You can really play in that realm and then add a, the bitters in that, that diff, give a different complexity. Like one of my favorite ones to make now that the, it's getting cooler uh is going to be uh i use a lot of knob creek rye in classic cocktails it, it just fits and suits for me so utilizing like a knob creek rye with brown sugar simple syrup and then adding in some whiskey barrel bitters and some baked apple bitters so it's like a nice Ooh, nice yeah like it, it's just it, it feels like a baked apple pie with a definite you know bourbon backbone or whiskey backbone to it with the rye it, it's obviously more of an american whiskey cocktail but um you know utilizing things like that and, and just playing in that realm i did a, a s'mores old-fashioned i think it was last Ooh, year nice. with knob creek yeah so we did a, a toasted did, marshmallow did you use, simple <laughs> did you use a marshmallow as a garnish I toasted a marshmallow. Yeah. And, uh, I don't like a full rim on anything, but I did do like a nice little decorative crust crushed graham cracker rim. So like just a little partial there. If you, if you go to Knob Creek's Instagram, they, they posted it. They posted, I think a couple of my cocktails on Knob Creek Instagram. Um, so that was just a fun one. Uh, it is a little bit sweeter. Don't get me wrong. Like I did use the chocolate bitters in there. I I'm pretty sure I shaved some, Hershey's chocolate on top as well. So like when you got to the end of the glass, you could just kind of swirl your finger and get some bourbon infused chocolate there. But, um, I, I love playing with old fashions. I think that's one of, you know, obviously a, a majorly classic cocktail. One of the oldest cocktails you, you can probably venture to say that the original cocktail was probably the old fashioned. Um, but being able to play around with, with those different ingredients and then just catering to people's tastes and playing with different brands too. Like, we have Legion. Legion is a very different profile than a lot of American whiskeys are and a lot of bourbons that we play with. And so utilizing like a honey simple with some citrus bitters there 
just adds a different complexity and a different variable to an old fashioned. Hey, can you can you talk a little more about that? I, so yeah. uh, I, I I've never tried Legion, oddly enough. I, I don't know why and don't know, why, but I haven't. So w- what makes <laughs> Legion different than uh, than the Beam product? Than, than the well, you know, one you should pour it up right now if you have it. Yeah. I don't have it. I don't have oh, any. Oh, oh, I thought you said uh, you had it. I did Sorry. Too. No, 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 I did no. Too. I, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not crazy. Sometimes no. I am, but Dan Dan heard it too. Yeah, All I right, did. cool. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm saying I haven't had it. I know, I know. It's just your accent. Got you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, How dare enun- you speak enun- differently? Enunciate <laughs> my words, you say. Well, I'll. Well, on that note, I'll have another. For another. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, so when it comes to Legion, um, Legion was released a couple of years ago. I believe it was 2018 where we did our actual like national release. We were at the New York Public Library. It happened to be on National Book Day. Nobody else knows that, but I love arbitrary national holidays. So hmm. like we're there and I'm like, do you all realize it's book day today? And this is where we're doing it. Um, but we were able to, to do this launch. So really Legion is a true collaboration between Beam and Suntory. Um, we're the only folks that have the, the opportunity to do something like this because we have 226 almost 227 years of beam family history and making whiskey right like that's that's such longevity and then we have five generations of blenders within Centauri. So this is a true collaboration between Fred No, our current seventh generation master distiller at Beam, and the fifth ever chief blender, Shinji Fukuyo, Fukuyo-san, if we want to be really you know appropriate and proper, Fukuyo-san, um, who is the fifth ever chief blender. And so he is responsible for major, major things in Japanese whiskey. Um, you know, he is one who takes his craft incredibly seriously. I mean, most people in the business take their craft incredibly seriously, but I, I don't know of anyone else who eats bland food on days that they're tasting. Like he eats udon noodles and drinks water. I don't know if you've ever had udon noodles. He adds nothing to them. It is literally just like wet noodles. It's calories. I mean, it's all it is at that point. Yeah. It's sustaining. It's, it's something that sustains, but doesn't change his palate. Um, and that's what, and you know, blending is a huge piece of Japanese whiskey. And so because he has that expertise and he has, you know, the, the wherewithal to do such amazing things, this was a true collaboration between the two of them. So Legion itself is three different liquid streams into one bottle. So it starts as Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. That's your first one, right? And it's easier if I just do this. So Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey <laughs> here in the middle. Then over here, you got Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey finished in sherry casks. Ooh. And over here, you got Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey finished in red wine casks. Oh, so boy. three of those are then mingled together. Um, this is all like, obviously we're making the Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. This is 226, almost 227 years of family history in that. So we, we know what we're doing. I think we've done it a time or two, right? So we have the master of our craft there. And then Fukuya-san is taking finding the red wine barrels. Now we leave it up to red wine, right? We're not saying it's specifically this type of red wine or anything because it's going to evolve over time. It's going to change with availability with um, different years and different crops that are happening, right? We want, we want to make sure that um, he has the ability to flex and change with the flavor profiles that are available to him. So we have that red wine and, and he's going to be able to work through that process. Now, when he decides this is what what's working and Fred says, yes, this is what's working. They work together and, you know, Fukuya-san's in Japan and Fred is in Claremont. Um, if you've ever heard Fred talk, you know that he is a very thick accented <laughs> Bardstown boy. Um, if you've ever heard Fukuya-san talk, English is his second language. And he usually, you know, has an interpreter because the, the difference in just how we speak, um, you know, in English and as Americans is much different than, than the way that he is used to it. And the folks in Japan are speaking. So, um, 
they speak the language of whiskey, right? That is their common denominator. Uh, and so I think between the two of them, they were able to really just kind of like laugh off the fact that both of them sound very distinctly different to one another and, um, and craft this amazing whiskey. So it all gets mingled together. It lives in a tank for 30 days. It's a steel, a steel tank in the back of the property. We, we specifically built it just for Legion, um, because we found that if you put them all together and then just put them in the bottle, it was good, but it wasn't as great as if you had time for everything to really spend, spend that time together to mix, to mingle, to, to feel each other out and really come together and be something different and, and beautiful. So, um, Allegiant is 94 proof. It is available all over the U S you should be able to get your hands on it. The packaging did just change. Um, it, it's still in the same bottle. It still looks very similar, but the, the label facing the front now has a gray background, uh, just because you weren't actually able to see, I don't know if you've seen the bottle before, it has this beautiful brush stroke on the front that almost kind of looks like an L. Um, but if you look even closer into that brush stroke, it is the silhouette of the side profile of Fred No and Fukuya-san. And so the amber liquid looks really great behind it. (laughs) Yeah. Look at it. Um, the, the amber profile behind it looked beautiful, but unfortunately it would get a little bit lost when you put it up on a back bar, when you put it next to different things. So, um, you know, our, our wonderful folks in the marketing department worked through how they could keep all of that, you know, together and, and still keep what we had in the original packaging, but change it around to allow for it to, to stand out a little bit more on, on shelves and stuff. So you'll see that package change. It should be out in market. Obviously, you know, some places are a little bit slower to get rid of inventory and get new, new bottles in, but you'll see that change over. Dan, get us a bottle for Pinehurst. Okay. Sounds good. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so on the finish note, and I actually made a note of this. Um, so, you know, that the, the whole finishing process or finish whiskey, right? It's uh, kind of the, I don't know if you want to call it the boom. Uh, it's, it's been around. He mentioned Angel's Envy earlier, right? I think they were probably the first predominant folks to, to finish in a, in a wine cast that uh, kind of mass marketed. Uh, you know, I, I do see some Knob Creeks where there are some finishes, but mm-hmm. I mean, Beam Suntory traditionally, I don't see a lot of finished product coming out of there. Is that, is that a fair statement? I mean, I think when you look at like limited time offerings is usually where you see the finished liquid coming out as far as a permanent, you know, um, part of the family. Legion is definitely one of them. I think the other thing that I brought out to pour the basil hayden dark rye right that's that's a finish but it's also a liquid finish which is a whole different category or not different but a subsect of of the finishing category um so you you see you know that's a permanent line extension as well but things like caribbean rye reserve that we did time means nothing so i don't remember dates anymore covid just just taught me that time is a construct that we made up and you know it doesn't really matter so um yeah, t- <laughs> forgive me time, if i'm off on the date but time is not linear anymore it's uh it just lives in a box right it does like the fact that i realized that they're doing that 90s show as a sequel to that 70s show and it's been just as long wow. between like when they released that 70s show it had been just as long between the 70s and 90s Ooh. as it is now between that 90s show and today yeah it's it's um downer. It, it hurts it's a downer. it hurts a bit you know i'll just take another sip it's fine time means nothing <laughs> um just drink more whiskey fine. you'll forget about it eventually responsibly drink whiskey responsibly let me just drink throw that in there respons- um, hey, don't worry about your <laughs> reputation worry about your reputation not ours listen everybody i end every event like especially if i'm in person like we make sure that people get home safely if you need somewhere 
you, you need to get somewhere and you don't feel comfortable and, and should not be bringing yourself from point A to point B, I will help you get there. We never want anyone to leave our spaces or any spaces in general, right? Where they're not doing it responsibly. So anyway, side caveat. Absolutely. <laughs>